With over 30 years of IT project management and business analysis experience, and nearly 20 courses on the LinkedIn learning platform covering project management, advanced leadership, and outsourcing management, I am honored and excited to welcome Bob McGannon onto the Everyday PM podcast to share his wisdom with our community. Check it out. Welcome to the Everyday PM Podcast, the podcast where we discuss project management principles for your everyday life. My name is Ann Campia, and I'm a certified project slash program manager with a decade of experience working for retail, healthcare, consumer goods, and tech industries. I'm so excited to welcome Bob McGannon, a co-founder and director of Intelligent Disobedience leadership in Australia. He is also a certified project management professional like myself by PMI, was a certified executive project manager with IBM, a certified project management coach for the Boeing Corporation, and is currently an honorary adjunct professor at Bond University. Whew, let me take a breath because those are a load of accomplishments already, Bob. I think a lot this of is... people think I'm certifiable is what that means. <laughs> that is absolutely true. Um, Bob, you also hold university degrees in operations research and mathematics, and you're also the author of Intelligent Disobedience, The Difference Between Good and Great Leaders, which I'm excited to dig in on as well. Uh, that was released in March 2018. So hopefully a lot of our listeners have had a chance to go ahead and read that book. Um, you're also on LinkedIn. From what I understand, you're a LinkedIn instructor. You have nearly over 20 courses, it sounds like. 20 courses on LinkedIn learning, yes. So excited yes. to dig in there as well. Uh, your courses cover project management, advanced leadership, and outsourcing management. So just a plethora of subjects that people I am sure have dove into, especially during the pandemic when you know a lot of folks are very eager to kind of advance their yeah. education and learn new things. So Bob, after all of that, welcome. Mm. I'm so excited Thank to have you, you, Thank you. Thank on you the Everyday PM podcast. Um, this is quite an honor for me to get to interview you today. And we're going to make this all about you understanding you know, uh, who Bob McGannon is, uh, uh, introducing you to our listeners, um, and then talking about your beautiful list of accomplishments. Obviously, you are um, an adjunct professor. You've had a lot of experience in project management. And mm -hmm. so for our listeners, just to give you some perspective, we've got project managers who are going to school to be project managers without the experience. We have project managers who are international. We have program managers, right? So just kind of a, a whole uh, vast ex experience level across mm -hmm. our listeners. Mm -hmm. And then we have our everyday project managers. And what those people are, are people who may not hold the title, but do project management things in their everyday life. So it's the beauty of this is I think uh, we're going to talk about your life and kind of all the things that you've accomplished and how that ultimately connects to what you do just outside of work, right? So Bob, with all that, with so much experience, let's dive into why project management. I think, I think project management is a personality type. <laughs> I really yeah. do. Uh, I don't like doing all that much without a plan. I plan spontaneity even. Okay, well, this is going to be a spontaneous day. We're planning, you know, the day that's going to be spontaneous. <laughs> and I'm happy to be spontaneous for that period of time, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of in my nature. And, and interestingly enough, and for, for those, those people who are looking at project management or being or are getting trained up in project management. Um, I, I like having a plan. Mm -hmm. 
I'm not necessarily the, the, the most enthusiastic planner. I do plan. I feel the need to plan, whether it's aspects of my life or running a project. I absolutely sure. want to plan. That's not the fun bit for me. Um, but I like having planned. <laughs> so, so you know, it, it makes me feel much more comfortable that I understand where I'm heading, when things are going off the rails. Sure. Uh, so, you know, you have that that classic, as they call it, the line in the sand. So, you know, you know where you're at associated with things. And that has been really the nature of my personality for as long as I can remember before there was a title associated with it. And I understood it was a job role. Uh, and, and going forward from there. So, um, so Bob, are you the project... type of person who goes into your car and turns on your GPS? So even though you're going to the same place that you've driven to a thousand times, or do you like to just spontaneity, sometimes, use the Sometimes, sometimes, I, I absolutely hate being late. Okay. And, and if there, if it's, if I've cut it close, it's like, okay, I know where I'm going, but I'm going to put on the GPS in case there's, you know, an accident or some sort of traffic diversion that I can know about ahead of time. So I have been known to do that. And yes, that gives me a lot of insight for sure. I I also, I also will confess once in a while to having my to-do list, not thinking of something that I had to do or something else pops up writing it on the to-do list so I can cross it out so I've noted that it's done. <laughs> That's I will fantastic. confess to doing that once You know, in a while I need to start well. doing that as well. That's great. <laughs> it's like, oh, look at this list of accomplishments, you know, make sure you capture it. So, so you my apologies, I, I cut you off. You're about to go into why project management, please go on. <laughs> no. So I think, I think why project management is all about, it's just who I am. Mm-hmm. In my case, it really is who I am. Uh, and not to say that I always did it that well when I started. Uh, it was it was a journey of of learning and making mistakes and understanding the amount of detail you need to have an effective plan. Yeah. Uh, and and by the way, I've done both not enough and too much. Mm-hmm. So in in the course of that education. Um, of, of trying to become a better, more experienced project manager. So it's, it's understanding, um, you know, what documentation, what degree of planning, what artifacts and tools that you need to ultimately deliver the project successfully with, you know, the least amount of risk creeping up. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, the same project in two different organizations may need very different emphasis on, the artifacts you produce yeah based on you make the a culture of the organization whatever regulations exactly. there might be etc so no yeah you make a great point about you know it's it one size fits all is not really what we do as project managers it's many right. sizes right. many right. many alls right, right? right. Um, yes now, now I, I have been known to say plagiarism is a virtue okay if, if, if it, if you have the right to plagiarize, right. So, so I, I try never to create a plan from scratch. I'll try to take a plan or a set of documents that I have used on a similar project before that I know have worked, Right. but then you edit them mm-hmm. for, you know, to suit the, the purpose of the different projects. So, you know, the, the classic definition of a project being a unique endeavor, um, you know, means you can't necessarily take the same plan, shouldn't take the same plan verbatim, but it gives you that starting point, particularly one in which you know worked well in the past. 
Yeah. And it's the trial and error that I think you're alluding to. I, you started as a project manager, you did things a certain way, and then you kind of evolve as you learn. And mm-hmm. I think Absolutely. one thing that's important, even in our everyday lives is we're going to make mistakes and we hopefully have opportunities to try again. And the same mm-hmm. thing goes mm-hmm. as project managers is that we try a project, maybe we have some failures here and there, and then we learn and we adjust. And how about how about that experience for you, Bob? Has that been um, uh, mentally, you know, how has it impacted you mentally? Because I know there are some personalities, as you say, the reason why you came into PM is your personality type. There mm-hmm. are some personalities that can't handle that kind of current yeah. up and down yeah. trajectory yeah. of a PM, yeah. but any advice yeah. or any experience there? You know, John Maxwell wrote a book called Failing Forward. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the best message to try to embrace. You know, okay, you did something wrong. What did you learn? And do you genuinely learn it and embed that learning so you can do better next time? Um, and, and it's understanding that there are a lot of things, I mean, you know, you need a project manager, which is overhead, by the way. Yeah. You have to, we have to admit that we're overhead. Um, yes. But, but it's because we're there to minimize risk. I mean, I know that there are a number of knowledge areas and, and PMI I talk about, yes, you need to do communication and all that stuff, but, but whether I communicate, write a quality plan, or talk to a stakeholder or modify my stakeholder management plan is all based on what I think is going to reduce the risk Mm -hmm. of engaging in this thing we haven't done before. So to me, that's the underpinning of all of this. And, and as you um, go through projects and you learn things, you gain more experience, it increases your insight. Hopefully you fail forward, right? It's like, okay, this is, this is, you know, how it's just somewhere not going to repeat again. Um, you get better at it. And um, that was, th- th- that's my advice that I tried to, to share with people uh-huh. uh, and to understand that it's okay not to know. It's okay not to have foresight for a project or a project type or in an organization where you haven't delivered a project before. Mm-hmm. Talk to people get their perspectives, right. you know, it, you don't have to know everything as the project manager. And in fact, sometimes to admit that you don't know yeah. everything as a project manager is the more power because you're empowering other people to, to bring their truth to the table. Sure. Um, and, and I think there's another side to that coin also. And I'm a really, I like to talk about truth and, and people's perspective on truth. Um, you know, and let's say you and I were asked to run a project together and I've run a project similar to this three times and I've had one heck of a time and had major problems. You've run the same project three or four times and it was a breeze, mm-hmm. right? Well, if we have our first chat about running this project and how we're going to go about this and you're like, ah, this is no problem. And I go, Whoa, that's not my experience. My experience is we've had problems. Yeah. I would hope is two experienced project managers, we'd say, wow, okay, let's create a bigger pool of truth. I'm going to put my truth on the table about the problems we've had and what I did or what I didn't do. You put your truth on the table of the things that you did do and the successes that you had. And we take that in aggregate and make a better decision and have more insight in our Mm -hmm. approach to how to manage the project. So 
it's it's and the way I would phrase that is is your truth is valid, but it's not the truth. So my sure. truth is valid. It's valid for me. It's valid for my journey, but it's not the truth. Neither is yours. But if we put it together and have this greater pool of truth on the table, if you will, for us to think about, we're going to make better decisions. And, and we're Absolutely. hopefully going to be much more insightful going forward as a project. And, and I think as project managers, it's a really good thing to not mistake your truth for the truth and not necessarily mm. mistake mm-hmm. one other person's truth for the truth either. Collecting as much as you possibly can and discussion is, uh, I think, a very, very um, smart way to go forward. And I think that's, you know, essentially where the industry is trying to guide us with the updated principles, right? Is that there's this idea of you can tailor your methodology or you can tailor your, the way you've approached a project to your point, even me in that situation can learn something from the failure you had in the three times that you executed, executed the same project. So absolutely agreed. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Yeah. So it's it's, it's understanding that, no, it's understanding that having that dialogue. So you don't have to feel that bad because you're going to find other project managers have stumbled as well. Isn't that what our profession is? It's just a a group therapy (laughs) session in many ways. Sometimes. sometimes. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Sometimes it's, it's a, let's see if we could stumble a little less and move a little bit more (laughs) in in a straight line instead of, (laughs) instead of some sort of circuitous route. I feel like that's your next course on LinkedIn is (laughs) just a kind of group therapy session of how to not stumble so much. Yeah. So I'm curious where you stand, Bob, on this. There's this debate online about uh, whether project management is an art or a science. Have you read up on that debate? Do you take a stand on that debate? Yes. The answer is yes. Okay. It's an art and a science. Okay. (laughs) It's an art and a science, just like dealing with human beings. Mm-hmm. is an art and a science, right? Because yeah. that's ultimately the most difficult, challenging piece of project management is, is that we're dealing with human beings, right? Yeah. Um, with strengths and weaknesses, fears, um, ambitions. Um, and, and that's, you know, they, they all come to play. They yeah. all come to play. So, um, you know, I, I, I managed my own project management training and, and consulting company called Mindovation. And we named Mindovation, Mindovation on the whole idea of you need to use your full mind, mm-hmm. left brain and right brain, in order to do the job of project management well. So is the, you know, it's, it's understanding the way to, to construct a project schedule with the different predecessor successor logic and how you might be able to leverage fast tracking or you know, you're crashing, whatever the case may be, as you need it, and understanding the risks and costs associated with that, that's left brain stuff. Knowing that your project sponsor is going to need some extra attention on this particular aspect versus that particular aspect, or picking up some some sensations of apprehension about a particular part of the project, so you maybe do something different or go more slowly or update her or him um, more regularly on that that's art yeah that's art you know it's it's a combination of observation intuition uh, acute listening um, and then you know when, when we're not always face to face that's interesting as well because you can't necessarily tell the body mannerisms I mean you know I'm I may be I may be um, 
you know, my foot may be going like this right now because exactly. I'm nervous, but you can't yeah. see that, right? Mm-hmm. If I was live and I could see it or hear it, it's like, uh, something going on there, right? <laughs> um, so it is more of a challenge, but yeah, absolutely. It's art. I mean, you can debate whether it's one or the other. I, there's no question in my mind, it's both. I couldn't agree more. I, um, I have a master's of science in project management, but I've always struggled with the idea that it was just primarily a science. And Mm. I was actually also Mm. surprised that it was classified as a science and not an art. So I've continued to have that debate. I think Bob, you can imagine trying to explain where the project manager is to my 70 year old, uh, Filipino parents who just have no idea what, I do, but they know I do something. So it's, it's, it's that. And and it's poorly named. Yes. (laughs) We're project leaders. Right. Leadership brings in this whole art aspect to it, you know, because there's management science. Well, yeah. Okay. You know, there, there are common accounting and financial tracking and the scheduling, like we talked about that sort of thing. And, and yes, you have to manage those bits of the project, but what makes a successful person in this project role mm-hmm. is the leadership aspect of right. it versus the management aspect of it in, or, or the fact that you have the, the combination of both. So I've never liked the term project manager to be quite honest project leader makes much more sense to me and i think because there's of the also, whole art aspect yeah yeah absolutely and i think that's where the confusion comes from some of our uh, listeners who are wanting to get into project management and then they realize not every project this ma- manager description is the same they don't they don't realize that you can also be looking under program manager and have similar skill sets and there's just, you're right. There's some confusion around what we're titled and ultimately we should drive to, to leadership in our profession. And, and I've worked, you know, in, or as a consultant with a number of different organizations and there isn't consistency of what organizations do in terms of how they treat people with the title of project manager. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've yeah. seen everything from project librarian yeah. Or the project historian. This is what oh, we did. Wow. <laughs> this is what we did this week. This is what we did this week, right? You know, sort of a project, real project admin sort of role. And 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 you know, managers on the org chart do project management stuff or try to. I've seen that extreme all the way to I've sat in a board meeting as a program manager. Mm-hmm and have been asked to participate in strategy sessions with a client yeah. relative to how this program of work can proceed, should proceed to help achieve corporate-wide goals. Same title. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have a contract, the same thing at the top of it, but wow, the responsibilities underneath it and how people, tra- how people treat it can be all over the place, which That's only adds to the confusion. True. So yeah, go in, go ask a lot of questions as to what the responsibility and expectations are when, when you go from one role to another as an experienced project manager or a new one. It's yeah, a very important absolutely. thing to do. I think I like this, you know, where we're at right now in terms of the conversation on this idea of titles and, and, and what you kind of place against the project manager. I get a lot of questions mm-hmm. from listeners mm-hmm. who want to know what's the difference between project manager, program manager. Why don't we touch on the book you wrote about, you know, the difference between good and great leaders? What is it that, what are the qualities of, I guess, manager that you would say 
translate to a good leader or do they not? And then kind of, how are you defining that in your, sure. in your book? Let me, let me, let me just, um, let's, let me give a bit of a definition of intelligent disobedience um, first. To, so, so we set some context sure. for this so I can answer that question. Um, intelligent disobedience is actually a phrase that comes from the world of seeing eye dogs. You don't want the seeing eye dog to obey its master's every command because there could be danger associated with this. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I actually learned about that term while I was in a lobby in a hotel and the elevator door opened, but the elevator floor was 18 inches below the floor that we were on. The elevator had failed. Wow. And there was a gentleman next to me with a seeing eye dog, seeing eye dog literally jumped 90 degrees. You know, his, his, his master commanded him to go forward because you hear the ding, right? Some sort of noise of the, of the elevator door opening. So he knew that the door was open. He was commanding the dog go forward. The dog is like, no way. <laughs> Turned yeah. 90 degrees was actually a hurdle to prevent wow. his master from going forward. So that's intelligent disobedience. There are times when you disobey. Mm -hmm. So the context of the book is talking about stories of leaders and project managers, project leaders, there's some project context and non-project context in there that says, when does a project manager or when does a leader do something that is not standard, maybe even all the way to breaking the rules, mm -hmm. you know, not following a process, yep. but it's not because you know, you just don't feel like following process today, right? Yeah, I have a wild hair. I'm just going to engage in intelligent disobedience. Just be yeah. disobedient. That's not it. Yeah. It's because in this particular situation, this particular instance, following the process is not going to generate the outcome that the process was actually designed to produce. And there's one that I talk about with project managers a whole lot, and I'll give you an example. So... And I find this interesting when I talk to project managers or I do keynotes, because I'll, I'll, I'll ask a question, okay, how many of you have project charters as part of what it is you do and, or something like it? And the vast majority of the people in a room of project managers will raise their hand. Um, sometimes come to me, some, every once in a while, someone will come up to me and say, ah, oh, it's just an email. I don't even call it a project charter. But there's at least something there that says, go, <laughs> yeah. do the, let's start this project. Um, and then I ask how many of you write the project charter versus the sponsor writing the project charter, which if you, you know, you listen to PMI, the Project Management Institute, they'll tell you this is the, the, the project sponsor's document to launch the project, right? But who yeah. writes it? The project manager, right? And then I go on, I say, okay, one of the things that you define in the project, in the project charter is the project manager's responsibilities, mm -hmm. right? Everybody's, yes. I said, so why do you complain that you don't have enough responsibility? <laughs> I said, now, here's an, here's an act of intelligent disobedience. And I mean this, you know, I'm laughing right now, but I mean this seriously. Yeah. In some instances, on some projects, it might be really to the benefit of the organization that you have authority or responsibilities, the project manager, that's not standard. So for instance, um, I went through, wrote a project charter for an organization to do an information technology project, but the procurement organization that they had, had a person that had a lot of information technology background, but they'd left. Their procurement organization did not have information technology background mm, anymore. Okay. So in the project charter, and I didn't do this kind of in like, 
I didn't do it to like sneak a sentence in and have it get signed. But I said, you know, I think in this instance, I ought to have more responsibility to be part of the procurement decision and the procurement um, process exercise than you'd normally give a project manager. And I wrote that into the project charter and then had some discussions to say, look, I, I've done something non-standard here. Okay. I'm not mm -hmm. following the rules. I've seen your description of what a project manager does, and I'm saying I should do something different. Right. So I'm not just following the process. I broke their process. I, I gave myself or proposed giving myself extra responsibility. And I think that's something project managers should keep in mind because from one project to the next, based on their experience, um, the, the tools and capabilities are available in the organization. Um, a project manager with some experience in something, insight, as we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. uh, could help yeah. a lot. And, and, and I wouldn't want to do it in stealth. Right. But we have the ability to propose or define our responsibility when we start a project. But most people say, I don't have enough responsibility to manage the project. <laughs> and I'm like, you wrote the charter. Okay. <laughs> you wrote the charter. But, and, 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 you know, so, oh, if I write that in the charter, that'll just get taken out. I'm like, yeah. And I don't know that that's bad either. Exactly. It's an ideal, but it gives you the opportunity to have a discussion mm -hmm. about how is this going to get done and who's going to come to the table to do it very, very early in the project life cycle. So even if they say no, I think there's benefit to the process because it opens up this dialogue. For sure. So there's an example of something that it, that's in the book that talks about the nature of project management, project leadership, right, in this context of intelligent disobedience. And I think really good project leaders, right, um, are those that will say, okay, I'll start with the methodology, but I don't think this bit's going to work in this mm -hmm. project. We need to do right. more of this or less of this or skip these two steps or whatever the case may be. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think that's, that's our, our kind of our superpowers, our negotiating tool, all absolutely. of those things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and it's in, and a good project manager, like a good leader is someone that is really willing to try things that are new. Uh, they're, they're willing to take risks appropriately. They're willing to break the rules mm -hmm. once in a while. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a, a, a workshop that I'm going to be doing with, with a client on innovation in project management and, 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 or project management for innovative projects. And the yeah. first, the first line in this is if you're comfortable about what you're doing, it's not innovation. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, you're complacent. <laughs> that's that's you're just you might be making some gradual comfortable improvements, but that's not innovation. Sure. Right? Yeah. That's not innovation. Um and and so part of intelligent disobedience, I think, is understanding that yes, this is this is going to be uncomfortable. It, it is going to be, I'm going to propose responsibilities that no one else has in the mm -hmm. role that I have. Um, or it could be breaking rule or I mean, one of the things I get into dialogue with people is some project managers have spending authority. Mm -hmm. Some don't. Some, you right. know, some do. And what if I could save the business $10,000? If I spend $12,000 now, I can't get a hold of anybody to authorize this. Do I authorize it myself? Because it's in the best interest of the business. They're going to save $10,000 if I can do this, if I can get it done by Friday at 5 o'clock. Yikes. <laughs> Yeah. Yikes. Give me it's anxiety just thinking about that. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. 
but would you do it? I guess that's the question mark, right? <laughs> exactly. And and here's here's the question for everybody that's considering this notion of intelligent disobedience. And I'm not saying there's a right or wrong answer. Different situations have led me to different outcomes. But let's take that. If I sign this now, we'll say I'll save twelve thousand dollars. Right. If I do it by five o'clock today, then I can't get anybody's authorization to do it. Do I value compliance over outcomes? If I value compliance over outcomes, I'm not signing that puppy. If I value outcomes over compliance, I'll sign it. Yeah. Now, an organization's culture would lead you towards one or the other. Somehow or another, if you were working for Elon Musk, I'd sign it. I suspect. I'm pretty sure. Yes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you'd sign yes. it. Right? If you saw this as an opportunity. If you're in a 145-year-old hierarchical, I hate that word, I can't say it, hierarchy-like manufacturing organization with a very traditional management scheme and very, very well-defined, repeated, thou shalt not, you know, violate this norms for doing things, I probably wouldn't sign it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, in that case, as, as much as it might have been in the best interest, it is not something that would be valued as an outcome that would be accepted. So you don't right. do it. But right. I, I think the idea of thinking in terms of intelligent disobedience is having that dialogue. You just don't dismiss it yeah. because I don't have the authority to do that. Right. You don't dismiss it. There, it is not something I want to do on a regular basis. But if you can generate that better outcome, something Why to not? think about. Yeah, exactly. at least something exactly. to talk about with your, exactly. with your exactly. leadership. And, and I think really good project managers will, you know, again, not on an everyday basis, on an exception basis for a specific outcome, will, mm -hmm. you know, compromise a methodology, you know, will take a bit of authority that they don't have. Um, uh, you know, I mean, I, in fact, if I'm interviewing a project manager to work on a project that I'm, you know, working on, one of the questions I ask is, tell me about the last time you were told you overstepped your authority. Mm, that's a great question. Yeah. And if the answer is, I can't think of one, I know what I have. That doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm not going to hire them. Well, for some roles, I definitely wouldn't hire them. Sure. Yeah. Right. If they don't have an answer to that question. Well, my response now is going to be Bob McGannon told me to <laughs> and be intelligently disobedient. So yes, but you have to do why. your homework. <laughs> you have to do your homework, right? I mean, I, I spent a lot of time. The hardest <laughs> chapter of that book to write was on ethics. Mm -hmm. Not because I thought the ethics were difficult, but because I wanted to be as complete as I possibly could. So the book was not an excuse for bad behavior. I wanted to be very, very focused on that. Yeah. Uh, and, and so there's, you know, there's the rules for breaking the rules, believe it or not. <laughs> in, it's like the, the plan for the planner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it makes right? sense. Uh, and it says, you know, this is not something you're going to do willy nilly. It's not something you do every day. It's not something that, by the way, is, is passive aggressive. That's not intelligent disobedience. That's not right. facing. 
that's not facing the difficult conversation that you should have when you say, I don't think this is a good idea. Mm -hmm. So you don't say yes and then do something different when you leave the room. Got it. Yeah, that all makes sense. And Bob, I think I'm pretty sure what you've taught me in just these last few minutes, I'm looking forward to infusing into some of the situational, you know, aspects of my role in that I am looking forward to identifying that moment that I can put this into practice. And I'm sure our listeners, listeners uh, and viewers are thinking the same thing as throw me in that situation so I can see how I can react intelligently, disobedient. And, and, and this is what I'd say before you do that, do your homework. All right. Um, So you understand the culture and understand the people you're working with Mm -hmm. in a more extreme situation. If you're in a, make sure you're not breaking the law. (laughs) because the rule of how you behave in this business right i mean you know vaccines are a big topic nowadays i really don't want someone trying to be intelligently disobedient and how they test the the safety of a vaccine please follow the rules right (laughs) please okay i mean that's an obvious one but it's, it's sometimes there are rules and processes within a business banks are a great example of that that are that are actually in support of a law So breaking the process is breaking the law. However, sometimes processes become like these untouchable things inappropriately. So Mm -hmm. I have to produce this report. And this is the process we use to produce the report. Well, it could be that the report is what is legally binding. The process to create it you could use, you know, four PhDs or 57 hamsters. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Do they how get to do the it same? Yeah. <laughs> as long as the outcome. Right. And so sometimes I've seen people refrain from using intelligent disobedience because they say, oh, they can't. That's regulated. No, mm-hmm. it isn't. The output's regulated, not the process. Yeah. In other cases, pharmaceuticals and creating vaccines is the process is also, you know, there's the sure. outcome of data that you have to produce, but the process is also regulated. So part of the Makes homework sense is understanding where those processes come from and what the process is intended to produce as an outcome or not produce or avoid as an outcome too. Because I've seen processes that have been put in place. No one even knows why they're there anymore. And someone will do research and find out it's a problem that happened once sometime during the Nixon administration. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a long, long time ago, right? right? And it's never happened since, and we've never even come close yet. We do these things, and it's not even it's valid like anymore. One of my least favorite things to say, I've said it multiple times in my career, is when someone asks, Why do we do it that way? I just say, Because that's just the way it's been mm-hmm. done. So it's been and done. I cringe every time I remember saying that. So totally. There's, there's so many, there's so many stories. Yeah. Of, of, you know, people talking about that and the funniest things that happen. I, you know, someone who likes to, who likes to cook a lot, you know, used to cut the end off of a roast beef before they put it into the pot and, and you put it into their broiling pan to, to, to cook. And, and, you know, you, you find out why do you do that? Well, I don't know. Mom always did that. And then you ask mom and mom <laughs> said, well, that's because I had too small of a pan. <laughs> I had to cut off the end so it would fit. Oh, it's <laughs> so perfect. The end off, can the end off of the, for like a big, 20 years. Piece of roast beef for yeah. 20 years thinking that was the way to do it. You know, you hear That's stories. Awesome. You hear stories like that. So it's like, great. well, okay, there you go. Well, Bob, Solving I think a problem that doesn't exist anymore. Shared some 
awesome words of wisdom with our listeners. I think I'm going to ask you one more question um, and sure. definitely want to be mindful of your time today as well. But yeah, it's fine. of all the experiences you've had, you're an author, you're an adjunct professor, you've worked in many corporations, you are a LinkedIn instructor. If you could choose one of those things to do for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, man. <laughs> Say the last question. It's a tough question. You know, I'm I'm going to engage in intelligent disobedience and not answer the question (laughs) directly. I'm going to answer it indirectly. (laughs) Okay. As I have become more and more um, experienced and spent more and more time in my career, the thing that is the most meaningful to me is helping individuals Mm. fulfill whatever skills they you know fulfill their 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 um, ambitions for you know, getting better at what they do. And, and I've run a lot of projects. So I focus on project management and leadership. And now I have this little angle to it called intelligent disobedience. Um, and so I'd say it's working with people. Um, not necessarily one-on-one is, is, is the most rewarding. Um, but, you know, doing something like this and knowing there's a lot of folks listening and inviting people to reach out to me. I'll, you know, if you, if mm-hmm. someone wants to have a conversation with me, I will have a 30 minute conversation with anyone at any point in time, um, because I enjoy the opportunity of, of learning from questions that people ask. Uh, and, and hopefully, you know, I've had people help me throughout my career and it's my time for returning the favor, the pay it forward thing. So whatever I can do to pay it forward is the answer to that question. I accept that answer. I think it's a beautiful way to wrap up this uh, chat with you, Bob. I think uh, our listeners have learned a lot. They hopefully um, will reach out to you. Like you said, I'll make sure that uh, the proper way to reach out to you is also linked in this video. Um, But if they want to continue the conversation after this installment of the Everyday PM, where's the best place to reach you? Um, email is Bob, B-O-B, at intelligentdisobedience.com. Intelligent disobedience being one long word, no dots or dashes. Or I think I'm only one of two Bob McGannons on LinkedIn. And I'm the one with, wow. the, with, the, with the hair that's like a beacon. So <laughs> that's <laughs> um, pretty good. Only find two, me, huh? Yeah, only, yeah it's, McGannon is not a particularly common last name. Um, so Again, unless I looked, I think there was just two of us. So you can find me that way as well. Well, thank you, Bob. It's it's honestly been an honor and a privilege to get to chat with you today. My colleagues and I have taken your courses on LinkedIn Learning. And for those that are listening, please do pick up the book, um, Intelligent Disobedience, The Difference Between Good and Great Leaders, if you haven't already. And do take some of uh, Bob's LinkedIn courses. They're amazing. If you're a project manager, you're looking um, for uh, resources on outsourcing management, all of these things are great. And Bob, just sitting here and chatting with you, I've again, learned so much. So I can imagine going through all of your courses is just like that. So everyone check those out as well. Thank you, Anne. I really appreciate it. And and thanks for the invitation to be part of this. I, I, I've enjoyed it. And uh, hopefully, like I said, there'll be an idea or two that someone will be able to learn. Yeah, of course. And um, listeners, you can also find me on LinkedIn if you want to chat further. I'm friends with Bob. So there you go. Um, (laughs) Support the Everyday PM podcast by giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcasting platform you're listening in on. I am also on YouTube now. So you'll see this video interview with Bob as well. 
youtube.com slash Ancampia. So that will do it for this installment of the Everyday PM podcast. Thank you so much for viewing and listening. Bob, thank you again. And for all of those joining us, thank you. Until next time, take care. <laughs>